Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. I want to tell you, for some of you who have been asking, the hardcover of my book is now shipping. Look at this. You hear that? That's the hardcover. It's awesome, y'all. It is so amazing to be able to, to hold this and got the nice sleeve on it. If you have got a copy of my book and you've read my book, whether you read this, this version or the original version when I first put it out, can you do me a favor? Can you go out to Amazon and review this book and give us a review if you haven't already done that? That will help us. You know what else I'd love for you to do? I'd love for you to take a picture of you holding the book uh, where we can see the cover with a little review and email that to me at Larry at LarryRagland.com. Very easy to remember, Larry at LarryRagland.com. And email me your review. I'd like to post on my social media your picture and your review uh, to help people see that the book is out. I would truly, truly appreciate that. Uh, I thank you so much for that. So tonight, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to just speak my heart on some things. And 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 I'm going to I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture because you know it's not good to just speak your heart when you're talking about a Bible study without the Bible. And and but one of my favorite subjects to talk about is the remnant church. Uh, and people that know me know that that I talk about the remnant rising. I believe I truly believe this and I want you to hear me and hear me good now. So let's let's just go together tonight. Roll with me tonight. It's going to be a, a little different Bible study than what we normally do. Uh, this is what we call download Bible study at Solid Rock Church, where where you know the God's just dealing with me on something. I, I already had another thing planned that I was going to do here live tonight, but at the last minute, the Holy Spirit just began to deal with me on some things that I feel like I need to address here on the show. One of the things that that the, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me not long ago, this was a few weeks ago. I was in my office and I was praying, and and I was getting ready to go out into our church service. And I just heard in my spirit these words, uh, that we are moving into a season of holy agitation and holy aggravation. Now, stay with me. That God is sending a spirit of holy agitation. Now, 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 I want you to understand something. You know, you've heard me teach on here before. Hebrews chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it says, yet once more will I shake not only you know, a normal shaking, but I'm going to shake heaven and earth and everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. So there is, there is a great falling away without a doubt. The word of God teaches that. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come and begins to list all the things that basically is a, is a line, line, line out of description of the world that we live in right now. Uh, it says they'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. But I want to tell you that a lot of people don't believe this, and you can believe whatever you want to believe. That's that's you know that's the freedom of being you know a believer, and and that's the freedom of just having freedom to believe what you want to believe. But I want to tell you something tonight. I believe there is a great falling away. It is prophesied. It is absolutely happening before us like we've never seen before. But I want to remind you that there is also 
a revival that is called the final revival, call it the final awakening, call it whatever you want to. I call it the in the midst of the falling away, there is a waking up of the sleeping giant. What is the sleeping giant? The sleeping giant is the church. The churches fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, they didn't let Jesus take the wheel, okay? Jesus, take the wheel. They didn't, they didn't let that happen. Uh, in fact, they took the wheel back from Jesus, started having things like bumper stickers. If, if you're as old as me, you remember those bumper stickers from years ago saying, God is my co-pilot. Well, I remember even thinking then, just as a kid, thinking, well, why is he the co-pilot? Should, shouldn't you be the, the one that's riding with, with the pilot? Shouldn't he be the pilot? And we're the co-pilot? Well, I digress. But, uh, you know, we somewhere along the way, the church lost its way. And, and it became seeker-sensitive. And it became, you know, and nothing against coffee and donuts and all that. Told you I'm just talking out of my heart tonight. Uh, I love coffee and donuts, okay? Uh, nothing against lights and, and, and screens and all this. But it became about something other than what the church was supposed to be about. And that was about Jesus Christ, the power of the word of God, and setting the captives free and getting people saved. Well, I believe that that shaking that is happening is also a sifting. I've been preaching a lot about it at my church here, and I just did that, by the way. I figured that out the other night that I'm doing that. I had no idea that I'm doing that, but I'm doing that. So I, I talk with my head, so who knows how many thumbs up and all these other things are going to happen tonight. Freak me out. If you're watching it the other night, you, that happened for the first time. had no idea you could do it. had no idea that you could uh, do this. I could show you love. I'm going to show you love. See, I love y'all. I love y'all. I mean, it's just all kinds of things I can do. Okay? So, you know, I can do this, fireworks. And then if I'm sad, I can do this. <laughs> having too much fun with this, y'all. But, uh, you know, the, the remnant is restless. The remnant is under attack. The remnant is rising up. While this shaking is happening, it's revealed something in that sifter. If you remember that old-fashioned sifter that your grandma had when she was sifting the flour or shaking it or turning that knob, whatever it was, the kind of sifter they had. When it was all said and done, it was fine flour that fell into the bowl, but there was particles that were not uh, what you wouldn't want in the biscuits at the top. And she just turned that thing over and dump it. Well, there's a sifting happening in the body of Christ, and I'm telling you, the pure remnant is coming through. Now, if you remember in the Word of God, the Word of God says that, you know, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. He tells this to, to a, a group, a mass group of people. It's a large group of people. And he says, I want you to go into Jerusalem, and I don't want you to leave until you shall receive the promise of the Father. He says, and you shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So the last things he said before his feet lifted up and he disappeared into the clouds. Well, and once they saw Jesus disappear, a great multitude, 500 men plus women and children, moved down to Jerusalem. When they got to Jerusalem, they began to pray. Now, I want you to listen. I want you to see how the sifting process works. It's always worked this way. Everybody heard the same command. Everybody had the same mandate, and they all went to Jerusalem. But it only took about a week, and somewhere around a week's time, 
from the time of standing on top of the mountain, hearing the command from Jesus to where we have what we call Holy Ghost headquarters of the birth of the church or the outpouring of the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, it had come down from, now remember, it was 500 men plus women and children. So it was probably, you know, a couple thousand people, 1,500 to a couple thousand people heard this. Within a week, it's down to 120 people. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, there was 120 gathered together, and it got to a point where when it got down to that 120, they became in one mind, in one accord. And suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And, and there was a manifestation that happened on the people in that room. They, they were overwhelmed by the power of God. No doubt they were probably dancing. They were probably shouting, um, you know. They were, they, were, they were doing something crazy because in their response because the people of Jerusalem thought they were drunk. I'm not saying anything that's not in your Bible. This is in Acts chapter 2. Uh, so I want to pick up there where it thought that they were drunk. Okay, the people thought that they were drunk. Now, now watch this right here. I want to show you something on Peter's response. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 14. This is right after he got down to 120, and the people thought that they were drunk. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Can I pause and just say, he did not say they wasn't drunk. He just said they ain't drunk as you suppose. And if you've been in, raised in a Pentecostal church, spirit-filled believer church, you got that joke because you know what it means to be drunk in the Holy Ghost. And, and for those that don't believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, you're probably already checking out and already unsubscribed from me tonight. But if you hadn't figured out by now that I'm Holy Ghost spirit-filled, I don't know where you've been. You must be new to the channel tonight because I am Holy Ghost, unashamed, unashamed, unashamed that I believe in miracles, unashamed and unapolog unapologetic. I am not going to apologize for believing in miracles and believing in the power of the Holy Ghost. You do you, I'll do me. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day, around 9 a.m. in the morning. But this is what that which was spoken by. Here's the key words. This is... But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant and on my maid servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Wow. Okay, so so what I want to just bring you back to is this. He did not say they were not drunk. He said these are not drunk as you suppose, uh, as what you're thinking in the natural. This is not a natural event. This is a spiritual happening here that cannot be denied. Now, I want you to get a couple things about what happened in the book of Acts here. He, of all the things, I want you to listen to me. Get this in your spirit, man, all right? Make notes. If, you, if, you, if you're not driving down the road and, and, you, and you've got a way to write some things down, write some things down tonight. Because here's the reality. Peter stood up and preached at this moment the very first 
New Testament sermon. This was the very first New Testament sermon. And of all the prophets that he could have chosen to quote, he think about the, the famous prophets in those days. Isaiah, Elijah, Zechariah, Jeremiah. These were the prominent prophets. Even Elisha with the double portion. Now, Joel, of course, was a prophet because he's in the Bible, but he's not considered one of the major prophets. And of all the prophets and all the prophecies to quote, Peter, in the very first ever New Testament sermon, chose to quote Joel. Why? Because I believe he didn't choose it. I believe when the Holy Spirit came on him, the Holy Spirit moved on him to quote Joel because Joel is an end times prophecy. Yes, it was speaking of what happened in the upper room. Yes, it was speaking of that, you know, Peter believed that they were beginning the last days, and they really were. It's, I would call it this, the last dispensation, the last phase of God and man together before they come together and, and is basically uh, re, rebuilding the Garden of Eden in the kind of relationship that we had when we walked with God in the cool of the day. This is the dispensation of the church. The dispensation of the church began. Now, if you went back in our Bible study of the book of Revelation, you know that I taught in the book of Revelation that chapters 1, 2, and 3, basically chapters 2 and 3 that dealt with the seven churches of Asia. Uh, and then chapter 4, it said, it told John, was told to come up here. Let me show you the things which must be hereafter. And the church or churches were not mentioned again until uh, basically all the way at the very end. So I believe, you can believe whatever you want to believe, I believe that that's talking about the end of the dispensation of the church. The Laodicean church is the end of the dispensation of the church age. This is the beginning of the dispensation of the church age. So Joel's prophecy is prophesying about the last days, which is the church age. Now, why is that important? Not, not only because of all the things that were said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And the famous scriptures that we always quote as, as spirit-filled believers is, you know, prophesy your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, uh, you know, your old men of dream dreams, young men of see visions. Yes, and we should. But if he quoted Joel and, and the Holy Spirit moved on him to quote Joel, this is what I say to you. I believe the whole book of Joel is, should be in context that we need to look at when it comes to the last days. So, so this is what we're going to do tonight. Let's go back to the book of Joel uh, because we were reading from Acts chapter 2 and he was quoting Joel. Let's actually go to Joel. Let's look and see how Joel begins. Joel chapter 1 verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Bethuel. Hear this, you elders. If you've got your Bible out, underline the word elders. And if you can't, if you can't write in your Bible, borrow somebody else's Bible and write in their Bible. That's an old preacher joke. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. And here's the key. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children. 
and their children another generation. Oh, this is going to get good, y'all. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. What the crawling locust has left, the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all the drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. Now, let's put this in context with Peter. Peter said, let's look at that final line, then I'll go back and I'm going to break down this thing about them locusts. In Joel, it actually addresses the drunkenness. It says, awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine. Okay? So now let's remember when he said, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. He is speaking of a new wine so we think the many of us think that the first time we ever heard about the new wine was in the New Testament when we heard you can't put new wine in old wine skins. You have to have a new wine skin for a new wine. Well, that is a New Testament teaching, but it is a reminder of an Old Testament Joel prophecy that there would come an outpouring of wine that's a new wine. That's not, that will not make you drunk as the world gets drunk, but will be consumed and be filled. Remember, Paul said, do not be drunk in wine there in excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. So, so it gives us an example that the Holy Ghost is the new wine. Now, here's what I want to show you about, because remember what we're doing is we're putting all this in context of an end times prophecy because we, when we understand when, when Peter quoted that he finished by saying, you know, talks about the signs in the heavens that, you know, what's going to happen with the sun, what's going to happen with the stars. These are all in the book of Joel. So it's good for the believer to study the book of Joel. If you want to understand that remnant revival, that's why I'm calling this show, wake up the sleeping giant because one more time, somebody just they say that with me, some in the, in the live chat, one more time, one more time. There is no plan B it's us. I truly believe this is it. I believe, I believe we are it. I don't know that I can't prove that, but I just feel like when you look at the evidence, when you look at the prophecies being fulfilled, when you look at where the world is going and on the pace that it is going, you, you must realize that the beast system is here. You must realize that the Antichrist has to be alive somewhere. He's not been revealed yet. You have to understand the one world government is coming. You have to understand the one world religion is coming. You have to understand the one world currency is coming. Everything that the word of God prophesied would be in place for that final generation. There's no more wondering how will that ever be? Think about it. That's why you watch the big picture. That's what we cover on Monday nights. That's what we cover on other shows. When we show you 
There's nothing really left to do to have the ability to do the things that, that we have read in years past thinking, how in the world will this ever happen? How will a mark of the beast ever really be accepted? Well, then you think about how quickly billions of people around the world just lined up and, 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 and agreed uh, to, you know, quite frankly, do things on mandates because they were, they feared that if they didn't do this, they wouldn't get to work. They, they did, if they didn't do this, they wouldn't get to go to college. They wouldn't, their kids couldn't go to school. They couldn't buy or sell. Basically, it was like a test run. It was like a soft run of that. So we know it's here. We know there's a falling away happening. We know that the moral fabric of our nation is disintegrating right before our eyes, which is what he told Timothy would happen in the last days. So, so there's nothing left for us to see, to, shouldn't be nothing left for us to see, to know that we're in the last days. So if we are, then we need to know everything that's prophesied to happen in the last days. And there are a group of preachers out there, and there might be people in, watching this live or on the replay that believe this as well. You know what? It's okay. You can still watch the big picture and not have to agree with me on this. Some people believe they'll say things like this. I've seen it in the comment section. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where they talk about a revival in the last days. All I see is a falling away. Well, I mean, I understand that you believe that, but I don't believe that you've read the Bible. Because the Bible tells us that in the last days, and it doesn't just mean that because Peter quoted it in the upper room, it doesn't mean that it was only for Peter in the upper room. There will actually be a last days. There will actually be a remnant. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 means, that there will be a remnant that cannot be shaken. They will be small in number, but they will be powerful. They will be more powerful than you could ever imagine. Now, I believe the people that's watching this program live and on the replay is a part of that. But judgment begins at the house of the Lord. We, we know that is, is in, in the scripture. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And remember, let's go, let's go back and look at this. Because I told you I'm just speaking out of my heart tonight. Uh, this was just something God put on my heart right before I went, went live. The word of the Lord came to and he says, hear this, you elders. I think that's interesting that the judgment begins at the house of the Lord and God made it very, very plain. Listen, I'm dealing with you elders. I'm dealing with you preachers. Preachers, quit this woke mess. Preachers, quit this, this compromised, seeker-sensitive mess and preach the word of God. He says, elders, give ear. Give ear. Listen to me, elders. And I love this part right here. Remember, remember this is in context of the last days. Has anything like this happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? I want to submit to you that I understand, fully understand, that this was applicable and is applicable to the upper room and to the beginning of the church because there had never been anything like the church. There had been the tabernacle, there had been Jewish rituals, uh, Jewish uh, teachings and things that you follow. There never been anything like the church, the New Testament church. That's why it shook so many people up because they, 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 they and it's also why I believe that it's just mind boggling to think that anybody could have made up that concept because the whole concept of a church, of people reading the Bible for themselves, of having a personal encounter with God was so far into every religion that had ever existed. But I do believe that 
we are the generation that will also see something that no one's ever seen before. We will experience at least at a level that has not been experienced, good and bad. You say, well, wait a minute. I've read, I, let's look at the Bible. The very shadow of Peter would heal the sick. Then you read stories of the old tent revivals where, where eyeballs grew in sockets where there was no eyeball. I mean, you know, the, you, some of y'all don't believe it. Some of y'all believe it's just made up stories. But, you know, I've talked to people that have been in these meetings. One of the biggest, greatest miracles that I've ever read or seen anybody tell in my life happened right here in my hometown, Birmingham, Alabama, at a tent revival where a, a, a little baby was brought before thousands of people in a tent and thousands of eyewitnesses saw literally eyeballs grow into sockets that there were no eyeballs saw saw limbs grow all this of these little of this little baby so these are these are things that happen and and you're saying what could be more powerful than that well i don't know if it's because it's going to be on a magnitude a global magnitude i don't know what it's going to be but i believe there's no way in this world i'm going to believe that the last church that exists, the church that Jesus Christ comes back for, even though it may be tiny, even though it may be as far as number versus population of the world, almost minuscule. But I'm telling you, it ain't about how many. It's about the authenticity of. I just can't believe that God is going to come back and wind this thing down with, the, with a completely pathetic version of the church. I believe there, there's going to be a remnant, and it's rising even as we speak. We're not there yet, but there's a remnant rising that's going to see some things that, that no other generation's ever seen. Now, let's go back to this real quick, and let's show you something powerful about what is about to happen and what God's Word promises will happen. He says, Remember what Peter said in, in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and 3? It's a couple of different times it's said this way. He said, this promise is for you, your children, and your children's children. Look what Joel said. Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children. So you see that Peter continues to use references to Joel, even when he said this promise is for you, your children, and your children's children. So what is that promise? What is that promise? Here's the promise. It's a mind-boggling promise. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust ate. The swarming locust left, the crawling locust ate. What the crawling locust left, the consuming locust ate. Now, let me tell you something about these locusts. And I've read, I've read several people talking about this over the years. I've heard people talking about it over the years. It is believed that one of the locusts eats the leaf. It is believed that another locust will gnaw on the limb, and it is believed that another locust will gnaw on the bark. And then the, the, these word locust is not just referencing just flying locusts, but bugs as well. It is believed that one would begin to gnaw on the stump. Whether that's true or not, I've heard that many times before, but it does paint a picture of what is basically a picture of total destruction. Think about that tree that was attacked by this. Notice that 
One eats to their full, leaves, looks like there's hope. Another comes in and begins to consume what that first one left. He eats till he's full, leaves. Another one comes in and eats. Another one comes in and eats. Four stages of destruction. Well, if you look at that tree, after four stages of locusts, a chewing, a swarming, a crawling, and a consuming, there's not much left of that tree. It looks hopeless. Let me tell you something about a tree. A tree can lose its leaves. A tree can lose limbs. A tree can lose bark. And a tree can actually even be cut down to ground level, knocked over, broken. But if that tree is still in the ground, the roots, and if that the root system of that stump can still get water and can still get the elements that growth needs, it may take time, but there's still life in that tree. I believe when you look at the state of the world that we're in right now in this end times moment, it looks like the church is in the worst shape it's ever been, probably is in the worst shape that it's ever been. Maybe the dark ages could, could compete with that. But when you look at the debauchery, when you look at the perversion that is being put in pulpits, the affirmation of abominations and, and the demonic things that are happening in the name of the church, it is sickening. It looks like this, the locust has leveled this thing to the ground. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a remnant rising. There is still a root, the root in Jesse. The, the, there is still a root that is in the Word of God. The Word of God has su su survived and sustained and, and through, through countless kingdoms that tried to tear it down, atheists, professors in colleges that tried to mock it. They all have one thing in common. They all might be from different countries, different ethnicities, different languages. All these people for generations, for thousands of years that have tried to destroy Christianity and tried to destroy the Bible, they all have one thing in common. They're all dead and they're all gone. But guess what is still here? The Word of God. That's why we have a Bible study. That's why the writer of Hebrews, some believe it was Paul, still you know, one really is emphatically knows, so I'm going to call the writer of Hebrews, says that scripture that I keep quoting, Hebrews chapter 12. Go back and read the whole chapter. Yet once more, it says, yet once more. There can only be once more one time. There can't be once more two times. There can't be once more five times. There's going to only be one once more. So for those that believe that it's already happened, then it's over. There's, there's just nothing good left that's going to happen to the church. No. Acts chapter 2 was not the yet once more. That was the beginning of the dispensation of the church. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was our example of how we're supposed to flow in the anointing of God. But there can only be one once more. After that, and it happens again, it's the second time. It's not the once more. So that being said, there's one generation that will be the shaking generation. There's one generation that will be the final generation. There's one generation that will be truly the last day's generation. And Joel said, in that day and time, he says that he will restore the years that the locust 
has destroyed. He will restore the years that the locust has destroyed. That's incredible. So no matter what has happened, no matter how bad it looks, God is not through with his church. Do you hear me? God is not through with his church. The remnant is rising. Do you know what this show is? This show is not just a video. I'm going to tell you what this show is when it comes to Joel. This show is the blowing of the trumpet. I'm on here screaming. My voice is like a trumpet. I'm trying to wake up, the, wake you up. I'm trying to show you what's going on in this world. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Joel chapter 2, and sound an alarm in the holy mountain. Why would you sound an alarm? Because that's what wakes you up. Every night I go to bed, if I know that I've got something going on, which is seven days a week, I set my phone with an alarm because I know that I'll be asleep. But I know that if I'm going to accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish, I need to set an alarm to wake me up. God said it's time to wake up the sleeping giant. Blow the trumpet in Zion. I know it looks bad. The, the swarming and the chewing and the gnawing locust has devoured and leveled you. Let me tell you something. I know right now I feel in my spirit some of you could connect with this because you feel like that tree. You feel like you have been leveled. You feel like you have been devoured. You feel like there is just no hope to come out of this situation. Well, thank God you're watching the big picture right now, either live or on the replay, because let me tell you what I'm doing. Wish I had my shofar in here. I have a shofar, and I forgot to bring it. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, shake. There, everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. The blowing of the trumpet was to warn, but the blowing of the trumpet was to wake up as well. It was to call the soldiers together. It was to assemble the army. It was to say, it's time to gather. It's time to gather together. Oh, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's, let's, let's move forward here for the next few minutes. i got to get this all out of my spirit or I, I won't be able to sleep tonight. Chapter 2, verse 12 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart, not just your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Goes on to say, here it is again, blow the trumpet in Zion. This is what I'm doing tonight. I'm blowing a trumpet. I'm waking you up. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is your God? This is what the sleeping giant is going to do. There is a remnant that is crying out to God. Wake up, crying out to God. 
Not to God to wake up, but crying out under the unction of God to the people of God. Wake up. Wake up. You're, a, you're not defeated. You're, you're a giant. God, God has given you the power to tread upon serpents. In his name, you can cast out devils. You can lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. That's what the word of God says about the believer. But we've allowed the enemy to beat us down and the locust to come in and devour and chew and gnaw and devour and consume. And we turn on the news, we get on YouTube, we follow people on Facebook and it looks like there's no hope. People have given up on the, on the, on the gathering. I post something on YouTube or on Facebook about the gathering. You know what happens? I get pushed back. I get blown up. Oh, the God, God, this, the, the church is not a building. Stop telling people to go to a building. I, I meet God at my kitchen table and all this. Listen, man, I understand the church is not a building. But the building holds the church, which is the people. Without the people, it's just a building. I understand that. But there, we see even in Joel there, call, consecrate a fast, call, blow the trumpet in Zion, gather the people. Gather the people. Gather the people to the house of God because why? There's where the altar is. There's where the where one, uh, one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. Listen, there's a gathering. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. So in other words, even at the writing of Hebrews, people are already checking out of the church. They were already checking out of, of gathering. And they were saying, you know, yeah, we don't need to gather. We can just, we can just break bread. We can just, look, if you're, if you're bedridden, if you're sick, if you, if you don't have means, or I understand some of you can't find a church that preaches the truth locally and you've made this your church. Well, praise God. I'm glad that we've got this gathering here. But if the opportunity comes to you to gather with believers Take that opportunity. Well, you say, well, I can't find anybody that, that will speak the truth. Well, maybe you're the one that's supposed to speak the truth. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to wake up and be the voice in your city. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to uh, start a Bible study uh, at, at the local um, YMCA or start a Bible study and in, in, in rent a room somewhere and just start teaching the Bible. If you can't find somebody, a preacher that preaches the gospel, maybe you're supposed to be the voice in your community. That We're running out of time, y'all. We're running out of time. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and he's coming for a bride that is without spot and blemish. And he's coming for a bride that is looking for him. He's coming for a bride that is a remnant, that's, that knows who they are in God. He's calling us back to the altar. He's calling us to consecration. He's calling us to holiness. He's calling us to prayer. He's calling us to weep between the porch and the altar. Why, do you, why did he say come and weep between the porch and the altar? Because the porch of the temple and the altar, it's the porch of the temple and the altar of burnt offerings. They would place them directly in front of the door of the holy place where the presence of God is enthroned. And the priest would go in as mediators for the nation and would intercede in tears on behalf of the nation. Where are the people that are praying for the nation? You've washed your hands of the nation. Many of you have washed your hands of the church. You've just given up on the church. Well, don't give up on the church. Blow the trumpet in Zion.
sound the alarm in the holy mountain. If you are blessed to have an opportunity to have a church, many, many that watch this right now, you're not because you've commented. You've asked me to be your pastor. I'm honored to be your pastor. I will be your pastor. I'll be, this is an online church. If you can't find somebody, I'm going to always encourage you. Try to find a local house. Try to find somebody that's going to preach the word of God and preach truth. If you can't find that, don't stop looking. But until you find that, come. Let's, let's have a church right here. This is a church. I do consider this to be an online church family because we are breaking bread on this Bible study. But if you are blessed to have a pastor, if you are blessed to have a church of people that love God and love his word, and love the power of the Holy Spirit, don't sit at home and watch it online or, or catch the replay. Choose something else other than that. You need to be equipped for the work of the ministry because I'm telling you right now, it ain't going to be long. We probably won't have this YouTube. They're going to kick us off. It ain't going to be long. They're going to start trying to shut churches down again. Well, I've made it clear in Birmingham, Alabama, my church, Solid Rock Church, we're not closing down. We don't care what the governor says. We don't care what the president says. We don't care what the mayor says. We love and respect all those offices. But if they if they come down with a rule, the churches have to close down, I'll go to jail. I'm not going down that road again because we're running out of time. If we close the churches down again, many of them will never open again. Many of them didn't open back up the last time. In my own town and probably in your town as well, churches are closing, pastors are quitting, people are walking away from God. 60%, listen to me, 60% of those that attended church at all, that considered themselves to be Christians, had, that said they had a home church, when the wah-wah hit and it went global and the shutdowns happened, ever how long in your city was the shutdown, 60% of those people never returned, and they've still not returned to this day. 60 Six out of ten church-going people left the gathering and never came back. Now, I understand many of you have said, I left the fake church. I, it, I've been thinking about leaving before, and I found the authentic thing. I find God on the golf course. I find God in the pontoon boat, all of that. I've heard it all. No, it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. You, you fell into the trap. The shifting, the shaking happened, and you were sifted. But you know what's good news? If you're watching this, there's time to repent. There's time to say, God, here am I. I do not want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to be left when the Lord comes, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. He's coming back. I'm telling you right now, if you're a Christian, Wherever you believe the rapture is or whether you believe in a rapture or not, if you are a Christian, you should at least believe in the second coming. He's coming and he's gathering those that are living for him, period. Okay? I'm pre-trip. You can be whatever you want to be. If you want to stay here during the tribulation, you can. They're going to need some good people. So I, I wish you luck. Praise God. Pray for you. Seriously, there's time to repent. There's time to cry out and say, Lord, I understand there is no plan B. There is no plan B. It's us. Like Esther, maybe we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love that part of the story where, where her uncle tells her, you either help us or 
understand, God will save his people. And if you, you have an opportunity to be the instrument to save his people, but if you choose not to, God will still save his people. But you and your loved ones will perish with the rest of them. Could it be that we're at that moment? Could it be that we're at an Esther moment? Could it be that we are, could it be that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Is it us? Are we the final generation? I don't know that for sure. Boy, I'll tell you one thing. If we're not, we're missing a real good opportunity to be that because every I don't think there's ever been a generation that has seen prophecies fulfilled on this magnitude ever. I believe that we're it. This is why I say it at my church. It's either my generation, my children's generation, or my grandchildren's generation. The bottom line is this. The final generation is alive. And as long as I'm alive, I'm going to preach the word of God. Can somebody give me a thumbs up? Give, hit that like button. Can you smash it? Can you tell me that you appreciate me getting on here tonight and just emptying my spirit and just putting a download on you? Uh, because I'm telling you, I feel like God has called this show to be a voice. To be a voice, I'm not, I'm not equating myself with John the Baptist, but I believe there is a John the Baptist generation. There is a voice crying in the wilderness, and that's us. As long as I can get in front of this camera, as long as my body will allow me to do it, as long as I'm not kicked off, I'm going to get on here and unashamedly preach the word of God. I'm going to preach the word of God. Do you hear me? I'm going to preach the word of God. And if you don't like that, why are you watching a Bible study? You know, you might be one of my haters, but guess what? You're still watching. <laughs> Woo! Feel that Ric Flair knowing coming on. Woo! Y'all remember Ric Flair? I think he's still kicking out there. But uh, listen, if you haven't got a copy of my book or become a partner, you'd like to be a partner with us and you would like to help us and support us uh, for a gift of any amount monthly or even a, a, a annual, say you get your taxes back or whatever and you want to you want to bless the, the ministry, whatever. We appreciate it. You just go to LarryRaglin.com and click on that image of the book and you'll go to my publisher's website where you can – they will provide you with a free copy of my book. And uh, as I showed you, this is, uh, you'll get a paperback version. But this is the hardcover edition. But you'll get a paperback version for any amount that you would like to give. You can click on one time, put the amount there. It goes to PayPal. You can become a monthly partner, uh, or you can give just a one-time um, yearly gift. They've just set it up to where it would be an annual recurring gift. Uh, and then, of course, also you can go to our merchandise uh, shop where you can get uh, hats, cups, and all this. But here's the big thing I want you to do tonight. Join our email list because we're about to really start using uh, the email more. We're about to send some things out on email that would never be permitted to be on YouTube. So if you're not a part of our e e email list, go to the big picture email list at larryraglin.tv or .com and be a part of it. So I thank you for all the faithful people that were here tonight. Um, you you were a huge, huge blessing to me. 
And uh, I hope that I helped you some. When I when I preach like this, when I get a download, uh, and I just got to get something in my heart, sometimes it don't seem like it flows well. I hope that it blesses you. Um, but I got it out of me. So now I can go home and sleep, but I have to set me an alarm to wake me up in the morning because the day starts again early tomorrow. I want to remind you tonight that tomorrow night, if you're watching this live, you need to look for the Kingdom Intelligence Report Stan Deo, tomorrow night, Thursday night at 7 p.m. Sandy and I uh, interviewed him, and as you can see by the thumbnail, he we get his live response. We didn't tell him we was going to show it to him. We showed him the Mexican aliens, and we, you're going to want to see his live on-the-spot response. Uh, we did it in real time. And also, if you'll notice, the woman with the dragon, he really shares some very deep things about Revelation chapter 12. And then he also goes into some technology, surveillance technology that was given to him in the 1970s that we are now seeing being used now prominently. But he saw it operate in the 1970s of how they would track people with the beast system. So that's tomorrow night. And then last but certainly not least, if you have not seen these two programs here, one with Mike Signorelli, just look for this thumbnail here, uh, Hungry for the Supernatural, and then also look for this one with Miles Rutherford, We Will Not Comply. These are two of the most powerful shows that we have ever had on The Big Picture. And uh, these are two men of God that God is using in this day and time, and they will both be with us in Birmingham, Alabama. If you can do it, get to Birmingham uh, October 4th, 5th, and 6th, we're going to have Miles Rutherford, Rod Parsley, and Mike Signorelli. It's a completely free conference, no registration required, but if you can get to Birmingham, I'd love to meet you. Sandy and I would love to meet you. Shake your hand, take a picture with, with our Big Picture family. Come and gather with us in Birmingham October 4th, 5th, and 6th. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for all the people who was in the live chat tonight. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe and share. If you're watching us on Facebook, don't forget, go to YouTube and subscribe because this is the only thing you get. Everything else is YouTube and Rumble only. God bless you. Have a great night tonight. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.